Hey, how are things? This is Mark here, and you're more than welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. This is episode 121. As always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the love you're giving me. Um, if you want to contact me for any reason, you can do it on my, you can DM me on Instagram, or the email address is clockworkjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to read my blogs and other information, go to my website, which is www.clockworkjunkiepodcast.ie. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe and thank you for all your support. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. My guest on the show was a long time coming, but eventually we got to have a conversation together. It's Dieter Randolph. How are you, sir? I'm really well. Thanks very much. And, and I'm really excited to be on the show. I found this podcast through, you know, how the internet works. I kind of looking around for different things and I just really love what you're doing. And so it's great to be talking to you. Thank you. You, you, were, you. you were looking for porn on TV. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that came up, but yeah, it worked just, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the corner of the internet I operate on. Um, there you go. <laughs> I love it. So Dieter is, just to tell you a small bit about him, we went to loads of stuff today, but he's a third generation minister. He's a writer, coach, teacher. He's also a podcaster. Um, he's coming out of St. Petersburg, Florida. His Instagram, if you want to check him out, is at way past okay that's not the irish okay is an okay it's okay ay um, and his website is www.waypastokay.com all the information all these books and everything that he's do- that he does is on that website and um, i'm going to leave the link to the website in the description here so go check it out it is a uh, it's very very interesting there's loads of things in it we're going to try to hit them all today if possible i don't know if that's going to be possible but we'll try um <laughs> Also, I could recommend highly because I've looked at it a lot is uh, his YouTube channel, which is way past okay. Um, I know that I've done before um, kind of a thought for the day type things. And I found it very hard to come up with a thought for the day because anyone that listens to my podcast knows that once I start talking, I can't shut up. <laughs> this gentleman can get a point out. He, can, he, he knows what he wants to say and he can say it. And in my humble opinion, he says it well which I told you that off air, I'm going to say it on air. So that's way past okay <laughs> again. Um, why I hear you ask, have I got a minister on when I'm Satan's favorite son, everyone seems to think. Um, that's not the case. I'm agnostic. I don't know if anything exists. I'm not sure at all. But something that uh, Dieter tries to do, that I something that I like is that he tries to take the spiritual experience, bring it beyond the traditional church setting, which isn't, uh, an avenue that you'd normally um, hear about such, uh, such things. It's always like, my one thing about me is from an early age, I hated going to church. I, I really didn't like it. And the reason that I didn't like it was because if you were watching a horror movie, for example, and you walked in on a group of people chanting, that would be scary. But for like <laughs> a seven or eight year old guy going to church, going to mass here in Ireland, and you see all your adults and they're all chanting the same thing um it, it's not that technical term but it, it gave me the heebie-jeebies you know <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me a, a little bit about what you do and where you are at the moment and what you're working on and stuff like that and we, absolutely oh and i, I can I, tell you that, i interrupt as is my will as no along, that's you know? totally fine um i think that i think that having the heebie-jeebies about going to church is something that that I experienced too. I didn't want to go to church either. And that's part of the thing. I, you know, just as you said, my parents and my grandparents are ministers and it's like a lot of things, you know, if your parents and grandparents are plumbers, you're probably going to know how to, how to work on a sink. That doesn't mean that, that 
that's what you were put on earth to do. And as a young person, I really wrestle with that because I was an overachiever and it was really important to me to make everybody happy. And so I started seminary really early. I started college really early. When I was a teenager, I got elected to be a youth leader in my, uh, in my church. And that meant that, that they flew me all around the United States speaking and teaching and doing stuff and planning retreats. And I was really in, I wasn't, like I said, super overachiever about it, but what I discovered, and, and one of the things that I really want people to hear is that just because you're good at something, it does not mean you're going to be happy doing it. And frankly, I wasn't happy, but that's a weird thing. I mean, that time period when you're a teenager and you're pretty much convinced that your parents are crazy, you know, you start to realize that they don't have the answers to everything mm. and you kind of don't want to be seen with them in public because your parents are embarrassing and, and all of that kind of stuff. Imagine going through that. But then every Sunday, a couple of hundred people come up to you and they go, you know, your parents are really wonderful. I started to think, well, I guess I'm crazy because I don't see what they see and all that. And obviously you grow out of that to some extent, but on a miniature level, that's what I was feeling. But on a much larger level, I was feeling like, you know, this church thing, there's things about it that I really love. I think ritual is beautiful. It can be. I think that a sense of something bigger than yourself, whether or not you call that God, I don't care. I can't imagine believing in a God that cares about brand recognition. You know, that, I don't think that that matters. If you believe in love, if you're inspired by art, truth, beauty, if you have some kind of concept of something bigger than yourself, freedom, poetry, I don't care what it is. I think that it leads to a fuller life. I don't need you to believe like I believe. I just wish that people believed in something because I think it makes life better and it makes us better people. That's as far as I go. But I love the concept of that. I love the concept of being called to something. I love the concept of trying to make a difference in the world, all of that. But I was sitting there as a young person going, you know, this church thing leaves a lot of people out. And so I had this real issue as a young person trying to figure out what that meant to the point where I grew up in the church a little bit more when I was still a teenager, I met the woman that I have married. She wasn't a woman then. We were both kids. Neither one of us was old enough to drink at our own wedding. But uh, we've been together now 27 years. But I did all of the stuff that you're supposed to do. And I became a minister. And I ran a little church in a storefront. And I did all of this stuff. And I wasn't happy. Mm. And so I quit. When I was about 22 years old, I walked away from everything. And I just started getting regular jobs because it didn't speak to me. So I totally understand where you're coming from. 100 million percent, I understand where you're coming from. Well, what, what about it didn't speak to you? What, what was the change? I, there was a few things that happened all at once. I think that, and it's, it's no fault of, I, I don't want to blame parents, grandparents or anything like that. But I think part of it was just a cultural thing that I really felt like I wanted to do something about higher calling, that kind of thing. But I just couldn't mm. imagine doing it the way my parents did it. Yeah. Part of it is a mechanical thing that that I refuse to believe that once again, I, I know that that you're not interested in God and that's fine. I want to say that I, I, I get it. I don't believe in a big guy in the sky either. I don't believe in somebody that sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake. That's Santa Claus. I'm not interested in that. I don't believe in that either. But whatever you want to call it, I can't believe in a concept of God that only happens for an hour, one day a week for only a certain group of people who get to pass the test of walking in the door. I can't, that doesn't make sense to me. By nature, the, the mechanism of Sunday morning church felt exclusive, like it was leaving people out. And I just, I, I just couldn't be interested in that. 
And so even though people in there were saying nice things, I think that the, the mechanics of it end up being a little bit abusive. There's just no way around it. And so there was things like that that started to really bother me. And uh, I'm still working on how to do this. You know, I don't have a church anymore. I don't do that. But, but I still want to talk about these things to people. And I still want to figure it out and help people find something bigger than themselves to aim their lives at and all that. But the answers weren't there. But uh, you were uh, <clears throat> a minister in which religion? Like which religion was it? Well, it's a non-denominational. My background is something called unity, which is that's where I went to seminary and stuff like that. The basically the shorthand is positive practical Christianity. Very, very inclusive. Everybody's welcome. There's not a lot of there's no membership requirements and stuff like that. We don't believe in hell. We don't believe that if you don't listen to us, you're going to go burn or anything like that. So pretty open-minded, but even in a really open-minded tradition, like I said, just the mechanics of it felt like it was leaving people out. Does, does, does that religion believe, like, I actually don't know now, so you're, you're teaching me here. Um, does that religion mean like, like you believe in Jesus and rose from the dead and the Ten Commandments and Moses and all that crap? We believe in the miracles, yeah. Yeah. But we also believe that the Bible didn't drop out of the sky, you know, that it was written by human beings. And it was not written by one guy. It was written by a lot of people over a very long period of time. And so each of those groups of people, I mean, first of all, the stuff that's in the Bible was originally passed down orally. You know, it wasn't written down at first. And you know what it is. I don't know if they have this in, in Ireland, but in America, we have a game we call telephone, where kids would sit in a circle and one uh, person would whisper into the ear. The person we call that Chinese time. whispers. By there the time it gets to the last person, it's a different story altogether. Yeah. yeah. Well, anytime you translate something and retranslate it and edit it and argue about it and write it down again and carry it over, it's Chinese whispers. And so I think that the Bible is a, is a wonderful uh, textbook, but it is not anything that you can take literally. I don't think it works that way. Now, do I believe in the literal person, Jesus Christ? I do. But if somebody said, you know, we have complete proof that he never existed, I would say, okay, that's fine. Because the meaning for me doesn't come from historicity. The meaning for me comes from the idea that, you know what, we should do unto others as we would have them do unto to ourselves. We should have radical mercy and outrageous love be a part of what we do. It makes the world a better place. We should look out for people who are different than us. These are good things. I had, um, I think it was podcast 70 something or 90 something. I had, um, a woman on called Bernie Lamb, and we had um, a conversation. Um, she she's very religious, and I'm not. <clears throat> and we had a conversation. It was very respectful, and people seemed to enjoy it. And she was doing a forty days of hope, and I said I would get involved in that, which I did. But in the and when it was finished, that she could come back on the podcast, and we'd have a debate again. Um, but in the meantime, then I read the Bible. Now, when I say I read the Bible, I listened to it with James Earl Jones. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so well, like a little bit of a Darth Vader kind of. A... Yeah. 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 Jesus, I'm your father. But he was, um, <laughs> he was, um, no. uh, it was a hard listen. I thought a really, really hard, sure. um, particularly the Old Testament. But um, of course, so when I finished that, I, I, I started to study um, just to find out about um you know, stuff that I didn't know. And what I found out is that I was a big advocate for Chinese whispers as well, or telephones, as you were calling it. But back then, it was looked upon as a man's job to remember stuff. Mm. And even though a, a lot of the conversations were passed down, um, 
you weren't the only one that knew it. So if, for example, I was up giving a speech in St. Petersburg and you were there, you would also know what I know and you could put me right at any stage. It's um, true. So I, I think that the, particularly the New Testament, I think that a, a, a lot of that might have been as they thought it happened. The Old Testament, I don't know what that is, man. I don't know what that is. That's written by somebody on acid. Well, well the, you know, there's a bunch there. of... There's a bunch of stuff that goes on with that. And, you know, I I don't want people listening to think that all I care about is the Bible, but I, 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 can, I can address that. I think, first of all, the Jewish tradition is especially an oral tradition. Mm. So things were not written down um, at first. They were carried out orally. And so things change as they're repeat. Even if everybody's heard the same story, things still change. And when it's hundreds, maybe thousands of years since the story was first shared, well, my goodness, there's a lot of stuff that can happen. Yeah. But also, and this might be a controversial point of view, but I think that once again, remember, people wrote these stories. They didn't come out of the sky. And so what I think you're wrestling with is people recording in whatever way, writing down or sharing orally or whatever, people recording their best understanding of their relationship with God, with their higher power. And as people progress, as we get smarter, as we're able, more able to share, uh, I think that some of the stuff that feels like a Quentin Tarantino movie that you read about and that you get less of that, Yeah, you know, I'm not in any way suggesting that the new Testament is better than the old Testament far from, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that the stories that we hear from the quote unquote old Testament which actually even the word is not especially respectful because it's like saying, oh, you have the Old Testament. We have the new shiny Testament. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to say that, but let's say the Hebrew scriptures. I think that it's not about one being better than the other. I think that it requires reading in a much different way. Mm -hmm. I think that you have to get into it in a different kind of way. And I don't think any of it, New Testament, Old Testament can be taken literally. I think that that's a real mistake. And even in the New Testament, it's important to understand that that the concept is that Jesus was starting his work at the year zero of the common calendar, right? You know, lived about 33 years and all that. So you're talking about from zero to 33. Well, we don't have what we consider the New Testament, the books that are in the New Testament now until the year 367. That's when we finally get that list of like, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you know, all the letters and everything else. That's when that happens. Well, 367, that's a long time for stuff to be edited. And remember, even though you've got a point, everybody might've known the same stories. You know how that is. If you, you know, went to school with somebody and you both had the same experience and you both there and you both swear to it. And yet you had to tell the police what happened that night. <laughs> Different know, things yeah. come out. Like I, I, I did before I, I met Bernie, I thought that it was in around 400 years before the first word was starting to be written. And I said, sure, that's ridiculous. That's like, fiction you're making up stories but in my research i i found um uh, studies done that said that some of the writings was 40 years after jesus some, passed away so that some, would mean but i'm talking about you don't have the whole set you don't oh, have no, set no, of course six, no, six, no, yeah no, yeah yeah but and like some of the ones that were 40 years old would have had um people who were alive at the time would have still have been it's true. alive at that time but anyways look that's neither here nor there. I'm certainly not standing up for the Bible. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just, I, I, I've learned a bit about it. Um, so your religion, your parents and grandparents' religion, is that, first of all, is that acceptant of 
evolution or do they now not you i know you probably think different than but just the religion itself is that acceptant of evolution or is it adam and eve or what way does they what's no the it's a, it, we we uh, i grew up uh, believing in evolution and believing in science and the basic idea is uh, there's no problem with with the divine with god working through things that make sense as i always say look god made your head and your heart and it's good to use both you know, I, I think that it's, it, I think that it's a pretty healthy way to be. I like that. Um, <clears throat> so let me see now, there's about 10,000 questions I could ask you. <laughs> so you're saying that you can understand, you, you feel that sometimes that just the one church, uh, a church one hour a week kind of excludes people. So I suppose we'll start off by what kind of people does that exclude in your opinion? And how do you go about reaching them people? Well, I think that that it's a matter of deciding that church is not supposed to be about getting people to come in the door. You know, again, this is probably an America thing. I know you have McDonald's in the UK, but um, the, oh, the basic. Wait up, wait up. I have to stop you there. Sorry, sorry. Um, I, what, what, just Ireland. I, I want to say I right live words. in the Republic of Ireland, not the UK. Okay. That's like saying you live in Canada. Ah, very good. Actually, I'd much rather live in Canada, yeah, but that's a no, separate issue. <laughs> I live in the Republic of Ireland. I don't live Very in good. Yeah. But growing up where you grew Spread up. Spread that message around Florida. I shall do my best. But Thank growing you, up where you grew up, you still have McDonald's. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if you have, uh, where we have in America, there's the giant golden arches in the McDonald's line. And it says uh, billions and billions served. Like they've served, they've given so many people hamburgers. Um, I don't know if they have those signs where oh. you're from, but. The basic idea is I think somewhere along the line, somebody decided that church was about foot traffic, about getting as many people in the door as possible. And that's really funny because let's remember that if you want to go back to Jesus, it's just him and 12 guys for a lot of the time, usually even less than that. It's that's not ever, it's never, he, there's no part in scripture where he says, listen, guys, we got to figure out, we got to sell raffle tickets or something. Yeah. We got to advertise. We got to get some marketing. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I and agree. so. And I think that that somewhere along the line, the shift came to where church started to feel more and more like McDonald's. And, you know, the thing is, McDonald's does serve billions and billions of people. That doesn't mean it's a good restaurant. In yeah. fact, <laughs> it'll kill you. You know, that's that's not the that's not <laughs> what it's for. Yeah. So foot traffic is not a measure of excellence or of success. Even that's not how that works. I would much rather instead of going to Starbucks, let's say, where, you know, the coffee's not really that great and thousands of people walk through the door every day. When I go to the coffee shop in my neighborhood, it takes longer, but the lady behind the counter knows my name and I know hers and she knows what I want to drink. And it's a human experience. Yeah. Well, I think that that's what we should be doing as far as church stuff to the point where I don't even call what I do church anymore because the word itself is so loaded for so many people that they I think the word itself is fine, but it, it sets a lot of people off, you know? And so I don't even mm -hmm. want to go there with it. I think the kind of people, to answer your question, the kind of people who get left out are the kind of people who have been burned by an experience of church. And as we know, some truly horrible things have happened to young people in churches. But even if it's not a truly horrible thing, um, just a feeling of, oh, you're just telling me I'm no good again. And I'm going to come back next week and you're going to still tell me how I'm no good. Like and, I think yeah. that personally, I think that you're very progressive. Um, I I think that um, 
like, you know, I believe that Jesus was a man. I, you know, I've, because of the stuff that I've read when I was studying, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure prior to that. And I, I didn't really care, but now I could have an argument that he is with things that I've learned in the meantime. Um, if Jesus was the son of God, and if Jesus did die on, on the cross, and if he did come back, let's just say for argument's sake that that is a fact. Sure. If he came back today, he would not recognize Christianity at all. It's nothing <laughs> to do with anything he said. It's, if anything, it's the opposite. And I love the way you likened it to McDonald's because that is one of the best metaphors I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> it, it's absolutely nonsense. When, when I was reading the Bible, I, all it was about was love, peace, accepting yourself and others. It was just, there's so many nice messages in it. There's so many nice ceremonies and there's so many good things to take from it. Whether or not you're religious is irrelevant. As a, as a literary as a liter, uh, literary piece of work, there's a lot of good things to take from it, and it, it promotes kindness and it promotes. Obviously, there's some stuff that was back in the olden days, but it promotes an awful lot of good stuff. The church today is, in my opinion, a holy disgrace, an absolute well, disgrace. It, I can't I can't defend it. I I think that you know somebody said, well, not all churches. That's fine. But, you know, the not all whatever argument, yeah. not all men, not all this, that is such a crazy argument, because if I handed you a plate of cookies and I said, not all of these are poison, you still wouldn't want any of the cookies, yeah. you know, so it does, that's yeah. a, it's a silly thing. But, you know, as I said, I don't know that you should take the Bible literally, but even if you just read it literally, mm. what we see is that Jesus Christ is a person of color. We mm. see that Jesus Christ is homeless. We see that Jesus Christ is, you could even argue that he's a socialist. I mean, they shared everything and he didn't own anything. He empowered women. He was for, he hung out with the, the outcasts of society. And he thought that they were just as important, if not more important than rich and powerful people. Mm -hmm. He was not interested in a lot of the things that, that, that people tell us that we're supposed to be interested in. This is a guy that would not be let in the door of a lot of churches in America. You know, this is, this is, you know, here's a, here's a Jewish long-haired socialist, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. the thing. This is, he's, he's not high up. He's the opposite demographic. Yeah. Well, no, I you thought know. he was uh, blonde and blue eyed. Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is actually a, some have said that it's very possible that he had short hair and no beard because it was the trend in a Roman dominated society. But again, it's like, I don't, that's the yeah. wrong thing to argue about. You know, did yeah. he wear Birkenstocks? Doesn't matter to me. You know, that's not the that's not the thing. But he was but, a man of color. Of course he was. Sure, that's, yeah, of that's, course he was. 100%. You know how weird it would be for there to be a yeah. white guy walking around Jerusalem? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh God. Yeah, well, look, that's just another thing. It's just like, you know, it's everything has changed with like, you know, like I didn't really have much of an opinion on it until I started looking into it. And and then when I did, like I feel so sorry for anyone who is really, really religious and and loves all the, the, the good things that it does. Trying to have a conversation with somebody who only hears all the bad things that it does. You're, like you, you're never going to win. You're never going to spread the good news. Um, and those people certainly are never going to go into a church. Like I'll give you an example. My mom, we have an anniversary mass for her very soon. And I have to go into the church for half an hour. Uh -huh. to just mention her name you know sure i'm fucking dreading it i'd sooner go and do a, a, <laughs> a day turning turf or, or, or lifting coal or chopping down trees i just can't stand it i can't stand it 
And that's something that really, really annoys me. But if somebody was sitting down and telling me a story about uh, God, I, I, I'd listen to that, no problem. And I think mm-hmm. that's where you might be a bit progressive, as in you realise that not everyone wants to sit down and go through this. Like, I don't know what churches like in America, but in, in Ireland, it's like, like I could nearly say it. If, if I went to two or three masses in a row, I could say the fourth one. It's the same shit. Uh-huh. It's boring <laughs> as fuck. Like, it's just... And then he said, and he, he and the priest, you know, <laughs> off the stage. Like, I don't want to like Hopi Goldberg and Sister Act, but have a bit of fucking gumption about you if, if you're going to be preaching. Anyways. Uh, well, and you know what? There are churches like that. Um, yeah. And the thing is, uh, there's a spectrum. I think that, uh, that there's a lot of varieties of religious experience, but certainly there are some where you go am I is it okay that I'm even here are you do you are you aware of my presence here but that's the thing I, I think that there's a theological implication there I think that for some people it doesn't matter what said it's like you're going to charge your phone I go in once a week I get prayed up it doesn't even matter if I can comprehend what's going on there but I now I'm good <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm a back at 100 percent and I can yeah. go be a rotten person I was starting uh, I was talking with a, a colleague of mine who has a church here in, in my town of St. Petersburg. And uh, his church is a lot more conventional than mine. But after they do their church on Sunday morning, instead of just having coffee and donuts or whatever, they put together baskets of food and they go into downtown and they feed homeless people. Uh, okay, good. And he yeah. said, uh, and when he had been at, I don't know if they have a concept of mega churches in Ireland, but um, they have mega churches in America where it's like they'll somebody will buy what used to be a basketball stadium and it'll be this church that seats 20,000 people, that kind of thing. God. Crazy. I, I, I don't yeah. understand it. It's that's I, I just can't imagine that's how it's supposed to be. We have too many homeless people in this world. I'd like to see a mega homeless shelter instead of a mega church. But anyway, this guy that I know, he turned down a job at one of those mega churches that would have you know meant a lot of money and a lot of attention and power and all that stuff. And, and I asked him why that he's starting this little church that you know he has to also work as an Uber driver to pay his bills. Okay. So why do you do that? And he said, well, I was at a big church and we had a big Sunday morning and all that. And I went out to the parking lot and there was a fight in the parking lot. So these people had literally just been to church. He said, so theologically, what I knew was that they, they're not listening and they don't care. They're just going to get their phones recharged. I can do this hour of being good. And then I can just go be rotten again. So I've learned nothing. It's like being autopilot for one hour. Exactly. And that's crazy because like I said, I don't really use the word church anymore, but the word church comes from a Greek word, ecclesia, and ecclesia means the called out ones. And what that means is it has nothing to do with a building. It has nothing to do with a certain time of the week. It has nothing to do with one guy standing in front of a group. Of people. None of that. The word means the called out ones means that we feel called to something bigger than ourselves, but it also means that we call each other out. In other words, we hold each other accountable. And that's not something you see in a lot of churches anymore. The word itself means that we're supposed to be uh, paying attention. We're supposed to grow together. And, you know, if you love somebody, if you really love somebody, you have the power to go, hey, I think you're messing up. What yeah. are you, why are you talking to me that way? Mm. You know, I think you need to get off the couch and get a job, you know, or whatever it is. People who love each other can be honest. And I think that that gets lost where we're all supposed to pretend like we're holy or whatever. And that's the thing. One of the things I walked away from church, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons was that what I saw was that people would say, you know, I'm having a hard time in my life and I don't want to go to church because I feel like people will judge me. 
they'll say, well, you, you know, you caused that by, you know, in different, different churches. Well, some people say, well, that's because of your consciousness and you drew that energy to yourself. And some churches will say it's because you're sinning or whatever, but it ends up being the same, just different terminology. Um, and I thought to myself, well, that's like saying, you know what, I, I, I'm really sick. I better not go to the hospital yeah. because I don't want them to judge me. <laughs> so it's like, okay, the machine is broken at this point. So I walked away. Yeah. Well, that, listen, <clears throat> I can understand that completely. That's, um, and you're right in what you say. It's like, you know, like, the, especially in the smaller towns in Ireland, people pro- probably would be afraid to go to church because perhaps the marriage broke up or something happened or, you know, but that's probably the, the time that you need your congregation or the community the fucking most. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> but, um, <clears throat> so that's the religion out of the way. So let's start talking about other bits and bobs now. Sounds good. Uh, so yeah, <clears throat> on my podcast and a, a lot of times that I heard you talk, we kind of say in around the same thing, but in a different way. Like, so <clears throat> I hate people thinking, or I hate the concept of thinking that you're not good enough. Um, like, you wouldn't put that into your own mind it's other people putting it into your mind it's uh, mm-hmm. like i think everyone is good enough as they are as long as they're trying to improve themselves as time goes on um i think especially with the advent of social media with looking at people with nice cars and nice houses or nice bodies the perfect teeth uh great jobs uh, you know most of it's fake as we know but um <laughs> you know and, and it, there, there seems to be this <clears throat> constant pressure and you're sitting perhaps on your couch in your house that's a small little house and you're looking at all the great life that everyone else is having and you start thinking like why isn't this happening for me or why am I um <clears throat> now obviously all of that is absolute harsh out. it doesn't exist it's only fake it's on internet it's not real some people are doing well some people have nice houses good enough for them doesn't mean they're happy um, exactly and it doesn't mean that to feel uh that they have a purpose in the world and, and it, it, it doesn't mean any of those things all it means is it's like um you know i'm beside a very nice car i'll take a photograph i'm on autopilot let everybody see it i'll get loads of likes so therefore that's <laughs> not me sure i mean jesus christ that, i've never heard anything such so ridiculous in my fucking life um, and <laughs> you're always talking about um in, in one way or another but to a degree you're always talking about how how people can achieve things themselves how people can uh, look within to um to 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 find the strength to do anything and and like you talk very very well about it to be honest you talk really well i i've listened to so many of them now it's on <clears throat> on your youtube they're, they're, they're really short clips i recommend you to go and have a look honestly they're just they're like five or six minutes some of them are shorter and there's always a message on them and they always say something different and it's always something positive um i suppose i I have two questions. That the first one is where do you get the fucking energy to keep doing that? Number one. <laughs> and number two, do you agree with what I'm saying? That like, I mean, you know, people seem to be worrying about the wrong thing. Like it, it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks of you. It doesn't, all that matters is that you're happy yourself. And whatever that looks like to you is enough. Surely yeah. that's correct. It fucking has to be. Yeah, of Most course. Of of course. So question one, where do I get the energy to do it? Because I love this. I love, yeah. this is what I want to do. This is what I want to talk about. I believe this is why I'm alive. You're good you at know, it. To, You're very good well, at it. I appreciate that you because are. I'm doing what I love doing. And, and yeah. there's something to that. Um, but uh, part of it too is that that I've been doing it for long enough to where people send me questions. Mm. 
And so people will want to know, how do you feel about this? That's why the, the titles of all of my videos are questions because somebody will send me a question and I might change the wording of the question a little bit because I might get the same kind of question from a bunch of people or something, but I'll just try to answer the question. So, so part of it is that I, I've been so fortunate that people want to know what I think about something. I'm just so deeply, profoundly honored by that. I, I don't even have the words for it. It's one of the few times I can't find words is for that. I'm speechless. <laughs> about it. But the the more important question is, of course, I agree with you. I think that it's really important for us to decouple the concept of happiness, meaning, things like that, uh, well-being even, from uh, money. It's such a funny thing. We have been taught that success means that you get to tell a lot of people what to do, <clears throat> that you have a lot of money, that you're in control, that you're comfortable and safe. Well, you know, first of all, anything really worthwhile, like falling in love, that's dangerous. That's not comfortable. And it sure isn't safe. Anything worthwhile, like making art, changing the world, being part of a revolution, having a new idea, inventing something, curing a disease, those things involve work and discomfort and moving out of what's familiar and adventure and things like that. So the idea of being comfortable is the same thing as being success doesn't make sense. But also, more, more profoundly, we both know people who have a lot of money who aren't happy. And we both know people who don't have a lot of money who are happy. So the math just doesn't work out. I don't know if they have uh, the Real Housewives shows in Ireland. Mm. Okay, because <laughs> in America, there's so many. The Real Housewives of Atlanta, the Real Housewives of Hollywood, Beverly Hills. If they have those shows in Ireland, people in Ireland watch those shows as well, Jesus Christ. Oh, they're ridiculous. But the interesting thing, there's a lesson there, though. I mean, I'm not advocating that people watch the shows. I think they're terrible. Um, and I hate, I hate I hate the idea that, that people watch those and think that that's what America is about, too. Because, oh, but the point is, the lesson there is that here are people on those Real Housewives or whatever shows who have so much money and who are not only completely miserable all the time, but it seems like they're dedicated to making other people miserable. Yeah. So that's, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Having money and having lots of nice things is not the same thing as being a good person. You can be a good person and have a lot or a little. There, there's no connection. There's no connection at all. There are some really happy people who have a lot of money and there's some really happy people who don't. So that means that that's not, that's not the driving factor. And I think that we got to get to a place where we stop connecting those two things. I was listening to uh, Ricky Gervais, who I adore, uh, a while ago, and he said that they did a survey of, uh, of teenagers. And they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the number one answer, you know, you'd think some people would say, you know, doctor, you know, lawyer, whatever. And some people would say, I want to be a rapper. I want to be a comedian. I want to be a model or whatever. The number one answer was, I want to be famous. Are. Not even famous for doing anything. I just want to be famous. I just want people to know who I am. And that's the thing. I think we need to get better at seeing one another. You know, I think that, that we get lost behind the idea that if I don't drive a Bentley, then I'm not worth anything. Mm. Which is just, it, it completely misses the point. As a, as a minister, I have done and been to, I don't know, probably hundreds of funerals so many funerals and 
it's not like it's fun. Obviously, it's a very sad thing. I wouldn't say that I look forward to it because that would be kind of creepy, but I am honored by it. And there's something really beautiful about being part of that rite of passage, about being there when people find a way to say goodbye and find a way to think about what is going to move on from this. And I'm not even talking about heaven or whatever. I'm talking about what are they going to carry forward from it. And having been to so many funerals, uh, what I find is that people talk to me. It's really interesting because a lot of times when I do a funeral, most of the people in the room, they don't know me, you know, because they're from the family and they didn't go to that church or, you know, whatever. But people at funerals, because you're looking at the unknown, here's this next adventure, whatever you want to call it. Even if you believe nothing happens, you're looking at it. You're looking at the abyss, you know, and people have all kinds of insights, but they don't want to share them with aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so because everybody's crying. I don't want to tell you about my philosophical point of view because we're too busy being sad and that would be weird and cold and all that. But they'll tell that guy sitting, standing at the front of the room. Yeah. He'll tell me. So I've heard everything. I've heard some really good dirty jokes. I've heard all kinds of stuff. I've heard all kinds of insights, that kind of thing. But in all of my years of doing that, I have never heard anybody say, hey, you know, that was a beautiful service, but I wish you would have told me more about their shoe size and their credit score. I wish you would have told me more about, you know, how much money that they made and what their zip code was. People don't care about that. In those moments, we realize that the, the numbers don't matter not one bit and i think that that's really funny because most people spend most of their lives chasing numbers if i can make a few yeah. more dollars or whatever you know that's so or- true it's like it's like um like i don't think that um like obviously some money is good because you know you're you're not in debt you're not under pressure you can pay for your car for food sure. on the table clothes we all but i mean i don't think money kind of makes you the person you are i think money exposes the person you are so <laughs> if you are a nice guy, I'm only using guys because we're guys. If you're a nice guy and you're okay and you're kind, if you get loads of money, you'll still be those things. If you're insecure, if you're not really sure, if you're looking for acceptance, and let's say you win $5 million, you're still going to be those things. Yeah. You're still going to be those things. And that is not my opinion. It's the truth. It's the absolute truth. Like I had depression. Oh, 100%. I had depression for years. And I got out of it. I'm fine now. I'm, I'm as healthy as I ever was mentally. It's absolutely, I just can't believe how good I am in myself. But nice. Like, if I won 5 million euros today, which you might have a word with the big guy for me, if I win 5 million <laughs> euros today, that's why you're on. I know. Hey, if yeah. I won 5 million euros today, <laughs> like, obviously, I buy a house that's, a, you know, a, a, you know, bigger that I'm, it's not, you know, maybe some land where I can bring the dogs for a walk and, but that's it. That's it. Like, I, I, I wouldn't want people to think I'm cool or I wouldn't like, I think I'm cool, you know, like I'm happy uh-huh. with myself. And that's sure. what other people think I'm cool as well. Well, that's pretty good. But I understand people, people who are like, I'm promoting this podcast all the time. So you see my ugly face more than you probably want to. And I get that because I'm promoting something. I'm trying to sell something because I want the podcast to get big. Sure, of course. If I wasn't doing the podcast and I was a millionaire, you wouldn't see me on Instagram. I'd be enjoying my life. I don't need you to see that I'm having a good time if I'm having a good time. Well, that's part of it too. No, I, you know, back when, uh, back when we were young um, and I, I hate to bring this up, but you know, young boys make up stories about what they've done, you know, romantically, let's say, because they just, they make them up because you, you want to seem cool to your friends and stuff like that. Most boys make stuff up. 
when they're, you know, 12, 13, 14, whatever yeah. years old. But at some point you realize that the people who are talking about it the most are not the people who are doing it. 100%. And that's true about sex, but it's also true about just about everything. If you're living your life, I got I don't have time to take a picture of my nachos or whatever for Instagram likes. It, mm. I'm living my life. I'm too busy. You know, I yeah. think there's something beautiful about our ability to share, but mm. I think chasing likes, chasing dollars, uh, anything, people spend so much time with the numbers. If I can lose a few more pounds, if I can do this and that and the other, and it has nothing to do with who we are. You know, I, I think that there's a beautiful thing that you can do if you really want to get to know somebody, you know, that, that conversation you have on a first date, let's say, or whatever, and you say, if you won the lottery, what would you do? And, you know, a lot of times people have the same answers. They say, I'd get a big car. I tell my boss to go to hell. I'd get surgery to have stuff added or subtracted, you know, depending on what you're interested in. You know, I would do all those things. I get the big house, big car, big hair, whatever. And the thing is people are so different. We are all, you know, I think we're all made out of the same stuff. We all have the same potential, but I think that everybody's working on different things. We're at different path, parts of the path of life, all that. I can't believe, given how different people are, that so many people would choose the same stupid answer to that question. And so I want to drive the point home to people listening that what you would buy when you won the lottery is no more interesting than what you would buy if you went down in the grocery store right now. I don't care, some eggs and some fabric softener, maybe some milk, I, that's boring. Yeah. What I wanna know is if nobody could tell you no, if you had unlimited resources, what would you learn? Who would you set free? How would you make yourself a better person? What kind of a mark would you leave on the world? That's so much more interesting than whether or not somebody would buy a pair of Air Jordans. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's a, that's a you know, <clears throat> even to add to your point as well, is it, you, I'm sure you've seen it on, on social media, I'm sure everyone has where, uh, and it's it's not one person, it's it's loads of people. I, I can't remember, I have a bad memory for something, but there's loads of people doing where <clears throat> they go around helping the homeless, uh-huh. helping the homeless, <laughs> but the camera is with them. Yeah. So they to go over and go, hey man, how are you? Just to let you know, I got you a Burger King here and watch the homeless man's face light up. That's not helping. Stop degrading the person. Buy the exactly. person if you want and fuck off. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's not exactly. helping. That's looking for likes. That drives me absolutely insane. I can feel my blood boiling as I talk about it. It drives me insane. Stop well, because it that. keeps it keeps that person, it keeps the homeless person small. You know, I actually did one of my uh, one of my little movies. Uh, I can't remember what the title of it was, but the basic thing was: Should I give money to people? when they ask me. And again, this is a very American thing. I don't know if you experience it where you are, but a lot of times if you're in a downtown area, you'll be getting back in your car and somebody will come up and they'll say, hey, can I have money for a bus ticket because I'm stranded? And you know, a lot of times they're not telling you the truth. And so the question came up, should I give people money when they ask for stuff like that? And my answer was basically, look, what you do is between you and your heart. Mm -hmm. If somebody is a con artist, that's between them and what happens to them next. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not gonna affect you. Your job is to be a giving person. So really it depends on how you feel in that moment. Can you be true to your heart in that time? But here's the thing that I wanted everybody to do in that video. And I wanna echo that now. Anybody who's listening to this, what I want you to do is the next time you see somebody who is homeless, for example, Whether or not you give them money, that's up to you. 
But what I want you to do is just look them in the eye and see them as a human being. Because that is what changes things. You know, we need to feed hungry people, of course. My goodness. But you don't do that if you see them as no good or you see them as something other than human or anything like that. The first step is to go, wait a minute, this is really my brother, my sister. This is a human being just like me. Anybody and if you can see people. Yeah. It could happen. Like, yes. Nobody's beyond it. And to think you're beyond it, that you are beyond it, shows how little you know about the way things work. It, it can happen to anybody at any time. That's a fact. Um, Absolutely. Um, a, a friend of mine, so we were, I, I'm not sure where I was, and we were walking by and there was a homeless guy and I gave him 20 euros. I, I'm saying their figure for a reason. And uh, that was it. And my friend was coming and I didn't know if he had seen me or not. Or what. And then when we, we got into the car, we were driving off and he said, did you give the homeless guy money? I said, yes. He said, can you tell me how much? I said, why? He said, I just want to know. I said, I gave him 20 euros. And he said, well, you know, he's going to buy cigarettes and alcohol out of that. And I said, yes, of course he is. He's fucking homeless. What do you want to do? <laughs> Invested in the fucking stock market. <laughs> That's all he has is cigarettes and alcohol. Of course, it's not helping him. But I mean, you know, like he's... He's not going to take 18 euros out and go into the bank and invest it in stocks and keep the two of you. Of course he's buying cigarettes. And so would I if I was homeless. Jesus Christ, you have to be em empathetic, sympathize with people. Um, the world is a better place when we get good at taking care of each other. I think so. You know, yeah. it, it, that's the thing. Mm. We got to get really good at that. And I think it was Gandhi who said, we need to start measuring our prosperity, not by how good wealthy people are doing, but instead by our ability to take care of each other. Yeah. That's what a gross national product ought to be measured in. That's what prosperity ought to be measured by. Uh, you know, in, in America, we have a situation where there's a very small number of people who control so much wealth. Yeah. And yet we have other people going hungry. And I imagine it's a tr the truth everywhere else. It's especially bad here because of, you know, 1%. Silicon Valley and Silicon Valley and all that mm. kind of thing. But it's, you know, it's, it's, there's got to be a better way. We got to get better at taking care of each other. And you know what, if that means that, that the homeless person I give money to is going to go get drunk, that's fine. You know, I, even like America and the world, you know, might owe, I think it's $4 trillion. Dollars. We use that dollar as a currency. I mean, who do we owe four trillion dollars to? We are the world. What the fuck? <laughs> and you know, in America and Ireland and anywhere in the world, like you know, there's been more billionaires than ever. Listen, you can only judge yourself by like nobody should be homeless. That should yeah. be uh, number one against the law. Nobody should be homeless. Everyone should have free healthcare in the world. And all of that should be like that shouldn't be something brilliant that we're bringing in. That should be straight away. Of course, well, you should have healthcare. Of course, you should have a, a home. Of course, you should have food. Think if you had all those things and didn't have to worry, what could you create? What could you help? What could you do in the world? Of course, and and one of the things I love about watching uh, governments operate in other countries is that for the most part in other parts of the world. Like if I were to watch House of Lords, yeah. for example, it, what I see is even the most conservative people <clears throat> are aware that the environment needs to be paid attention to, are aware that healthcare is something that, that people ought to give to each other. It's only in America where I see people act like there's not a problem with global warming, where they act like there's not, a, not an issue with people having, you know, having nothing. 
you know, with, with the idea that, you know, there's a lot of really good, hardworking people in this country who are just one paycheck away from being on the streets. It's not because they're not working hard enough. It's not because they don't want it bad enough. That's a very American thing. Well, if, if you just, you just got to want it, get out there and want it. Well, you know what? I'm quite sure a homeless person would like a house. They probably want it real bad. I'm sure someone with yeah. cancer wants a cure. It's not about yeah. wanting it. That's not the thing. We like got to get better at seeing that. people. Sorry, what? No, I was just going to say, we got to get better at seeing people as human beings. Yeah, worthy. Uh, 100%. In Ireland here, we have a thing now where like, like it's impossible to buy a house now in Ireland. You, you cannot buy one because you can't afford it. Mm. It's too expensive. And the rent, like you, you definitely need at least two to three people living in a, in a house to pay the rent. But uh-huh. it's, it's so expensive that nobody can save any money. Ah, It's absolutely, it's the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life, the way that they run it here. It's so embarrassing. It's, it's, it's not, they're just, it's, it's, it's like the inmates have taken over the prison, you know? It's, it's, um, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. They talk so much shite. Look, I know that you're not like, I was listening to Joe Biden talking the other day. The man can't put a sentence together. He doesn't know. He's forgetting things. He, and then you have Trump before that. What the fuck happened there, man? What went on there? <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't. I, you know what I mean? You're the I sportsman know. for the United States of America. Yeah, well, okay. What well, the I'm, fuck happened there? <laughs> oh, boy. I wish I knew. I, I think that, you know what? Actually, I have, a, I have a sense of it. I have a sense of what happened. And it makes me think of, uh, do you know who the Hell's Angels are? Do you know who yeah. the Hell's Angels? Okay. The bike gang. Yeah, the bike, the bike, like everybody Bikers, else who's yeah, yeah. ever been in a biker gang is kind of doing an impression of the Hells Angels. Yeah. They kind of wrote the book on being, mm. being that way. They're cool and, motherfuckers. Yeah, but they also do a lot of charity as well. Yeah, but back in the day, like oh, in yeah. the '60s, you you know these are not people to mess with, you know. And Hunter S. Thompson, you know the guy that wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and all that, he wrote a book about the Hells Angels, and he said to them, um, "Why do you guys?" ride the Harley Davidson motorcycles because the Japanese bikes had come out and they're cheaper and they're faster and they're more reliable. They're better on gas in every way. They're better. How come? And uh, the guys from the Hells Angels basically said, because this is the hill we want to die on because we can't play the game that society does because the rules are, are stacked against us. We can't, we can't fit in. So you know what? Middle finger to everything or, you know, to, as, as, as you might say, but, you know, forget it. I have, I'm not interested. I, I just have a, I'm, I'm over. It. I will not live like that, even though I'm hurting myself. It's a middle finger mentality. And, and I know in, in Ireland, uh, it's, it's two fingers, but you know, same, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think that, that people voted for Trump because the concept is I can't win this game. I have been told that I'm only worth it if I'm rich for so many years that I feel like I'm not worth anything. And so I'm going to vote for the insane clown, you know, because he's a poor person's idea of what a rich person is and a dumb person's idea of what a smart person is. And, uh, uh, you know, a mean person's idea of what a nice person is, you know, he's, you know, it's like, like America, you know, it calls itself the best country in the world. And it is one of them, that's for sure. It's really, really, in like the amount of ideas and inventions and intellectuals and ideas and progressive ideas that come from the States is absolutely unbelievable. You're some of the highest IQ people that has ever existed since the history of the beginning of time. I can't understand how crusty the clown got in. Like, I can't under, like, surely someone running a country such as America should be the best in class. 
the best in well, class. No, and I think popular that, in class. Yeah, I well, yeah. I, I think that the problem is that money got involved in that. But you know, I think I make it makes me think of uh, the writer John Steinbeck. He said that America is not great, but we are fitted by our faults for greatness. In other words, we are willing to this. He wrote this a long time ago. Where the American spirit is that we really want to fix it, and we believe that we can. And we will question everything and doubt everything and poke fun at everything. And, and I think somewhere along the way, we lost our sense of humor. I do think that America is a great country, but I think that it's really crazy to, to be mad at other countries for not thinking that we're number one. There's no country where their slogan is, we're number two. You know, everybody thinks their country is great. And, and I think that we've missed out on a lot of our potential because, you know, hey, we put a man on the moon in 1960, but it's really interesting, or 64, whatever it was. I think it, there you go, you got it. But I think it's really interesting that we have moved from, you know, the spirit that puts somebody on the moon is a spirit of, we're going to do something together. The whole country, you know, President Kennedy gave that speech on, uh, on television and all that, and, and the country pulled together, and teams of scientists and mathematicians and Everybody worked together to make this crazy thing happen. You know, to think that that in in a very short period of time we went from the Wright brothers flying a wooden airplane for like two hundred feet to Neil Armstrong on the moon, but it had to do with all of us working together, and that's a very American spirit kind of a thing. It's it's it was part of it, but we've gone from that idea of a whole bunch of people working together to now the idea is well Elon Musk is going to do it by himself. Yeah. And we've got this idea that, that somebody can do it because they're rich, not because they can work together. And the spirit of collaboration, which once again, I think is part of the American thing has been lost along the way. And it's been traded for worship of somebody with a lot of money. Yeah, that's said very well. I know in Ireland when, you know, we were like, I was born in 77. So I grew up in the eighties and like nobody had pockets in the back of their jeans. They were all ripped off. All your runners were ripped. We were fucking wearing shit clothes and, you know, then obviously the Celtic Tiger came in. Everyone was supposed to have. I, I never had money at any stage. I, I was never rich when I came in and I was never broke when it went out. I was just mid division all the time. But um, we, 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 everyone got, you know, we're buying second houses and going on holidays and this, that, and the other. And then, of course, the arse fell out of the market. And I, I, I feel since that that Ireland has lost its way as well. Um, I, I think that this pandemic is slightly is bringing us back together again. I, I, mm-hmm. I hear a couple of murmurings in the background and. Uh, I, I hope that for, it's a very bad thing to happen, but I hope of the fallout, would, it would be great for the country to reunite again um, yes. and, and to be, I always, it was like, I, I'm not saying that I'm not proud to be Irish, um, but I used to love being Irish. I loved it. It was part, it was my identity. I would tell anyone anywhere, I am Irish. We, I could, I feel that if you put the best hundred people from America, which is 350 uh, million people and Ireland of 5 million people, our best hundred would beat your best hundred. That's why I used to feel that <laughs> because we're just better in general. And not, all right. uh, and we just I was just very confident. We used to go into football games against countries with 60 million and we had five million and we fucking beat them, you know? Like uh-huh, underdogs. Sure. And I just love that. And, but then I think we went 64 miles up our own arse hole and we lost all <laughs> what, what was about us. And it was so hard to see, and it's very, very sad. And you know, we just lost a run of ourselves. Um, and I think I'm hoping now it's slightly coming back. Um, I, I, I hope it's coming back, but, you know, it's hard. Like to, I, I think everyone thinks the government in their country is the worst government, you know, that, that, that <laughs> nobody's doing anything right. 
Um, but to get back to what I was saying was that <clears throat> every government is a holy disgrace if they can't at least look after their 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 uh, least privilege and yeah. make sure everyone has healthcare and everyone has a home. And uh, until that happens, I think the whole thing is a Ponzi scheme and it's a joke. And I agree with you with there's only certain amount of people running the world. That's the 1%. They get richer, as you said, while everyone else gets poorer. Um, so living in that world in the 21st century that we are living in now, and with the internet, and like every day we're seeing advertisements of why we're not good enough. You know, like you have to have, you must have this cream. You must have, I don't have anything. <laughs> I, 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 I have nothing, like, you know what I mean? Sure. Like I go shopping once every fucking two and a half years and wear the same clothes onto this hole. Then I'll go and spend <laughs> another hundred euros and buy more. <laughs> but like, we have to be more sophisticated. Just like, you know, let's say there's the government and the 1%, forget about them. Right, sure. We, we can't change that. Then there's all of us. You know, and, and I, I think we have to lift each other up. Um, yes. And I don't mean that fucking airy-fairy. I, I, I mean that genuinely. If your brother or sister is down, pick them up. You know, if somebody disagrees with you, that's okay. You don't have to hate somebody because you disagree. You're entitled to disagree. It doesn't matter. If somebody is talking to you and you're roaring and shouting in an argument, all that shows me is that your stance is very shaky and to begin with. Don't don't get excited. Relax. Calm down. Have some tea. Have a fucking can of beer. <laughs> well, that's but that's the thing. I think that that we have gone from, and I see this a lot in my country. We have gone from the idea that you know what, if someone disagrees with you, they're just a, a human being who has a, a different point of view. We've gone from that to if someone disagrees with you, they are not even a human being. They're demonic, or they're bad, or they're just they're they're something else. And you that's the middle me. finger mentality. Yeah, you and, offended me. And oh. you don't you don't deserve to. You're not the same as a human being because you disagree. Mm. And that's I think that has happened. And unfortunately, that's not a recent invention. I mean, that's something that the Nazis used very effectively. Unfortunately, but uh, you yeah. know, it's something that happens. And so I think that we have to ask ourselves how comfortable are are we with the idea that someone has a different point of view? And I think if you can be comfortable with that you're probably more healthy than someone who can't. Like to, to I, I actually agree 100%, to argue your point to the point of like not being friends with somebody anymore. Like it just shows how shaky your stance was to begin with. Like, yeah, it's, you know, just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I hate you. And like, like people say, oh, like you mentioned Ricky Gervais earlier on, as he always says, people say, oh, I'm offended. Uh, okay, well, it, it doesn't mean you're right. what offends you what doesn't offend you it's just it's facts being offended doesn't replace facts just if it's a fact and i say it and it offends you i don't give a fiddler's fuck because i'm just saying a fact and vice versa if it's a fact like if it's a fact towards me and i don't like it but it's a fact well then it's a fact yeah that's it end of story but people then it's on social media if i didn't like something about you when i was growing up i'd have to go and tell you to your face chances are you'd hit me so i think twice about it whereas now i can type anything i want and get away with yes. it it's free. so there's no consequences either mm-hmm. yeah it, it social media also dehumanizes i think that that there are you know the whole gamergate thing that happened and, and that sort of thing i think that people forget that they're dealing with a human being I think that it's so easy. You can, it feels like a video game. You can type mean, terrible things on 4chan or whatever. And people just feel like, oh, that's just the internet. You know, they don't realize how much harm that they're doing. And once again, I I know I keep coming back to this, but the thing that we've got to get good at 
is just the act of seeing people as people yeah. disagree I, or not I love different that. religions or not. It, that's, that's just not the point. People say, well, what is your takeaway from the religions that you've studied and been a part of? I think that that's it. I don't need somebody to sign a thing or join a thing or sing the same song as me or, or any of that. That doesn't matter to me where you go on Sunday morning or Saturday night or Wednesday. That doesn't matter. Can you see other people as just the same as you? Yeah. If you can couple that with an idea of working for something bigger than yourself, whether it's God or peace, yeah. freedom, love, taking care of each other, own. doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what. So I'm going to end this podcast now, but before I do, I just want to talk a little bit about your website. So you have so much stuff on there. Talk to us a little bit about the stuff that's on there and what you can find when you go onto your website. Absolutely. When you go to waypastok.com, um, there's, uh, there's links to all the books that I've written. And my latest one is called Meaning Fulfilled. And I'd love people to, to take a look at that. But there's also links to those movies that you talked about. They're called Ask Dieter. And you can actually just go to askdieter.com and it's a shortcut to it. But um, all of the YouTube movies that I make, I write a blog just about every week. I don't always write one, but just a little blog post. Uh, obviously there's links to all of my social media and I've just started a podcast of my own, but it's, it's a little bit different because what I have decided to do is once a month, I, I have space at a coffee shop in my town and uh, the owner, she keeps it open a little bit later and people come in and they have beer and wine and coffee at the place. And I stand up and I do a talk, but it's not, it doesn't feel like church at all. Uh, like the last one I did was a few days ago. I didn't even mention God. It just, that wasn't what we were talking about that day. Um, and it's open to everybody, but we record that. And then that becomes the podcast. And so there's only I've one episode seen, up right I've, now. I've heard the first 15 minutes of that. I didn't realize it was in a coffee shop. Yeah. How come it's so silent? It just, uh, my, uh, my daughter is a really good sound engineer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now. Yeah. Well, listen, look again, Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, I'm honored. The links to everything we're talking about will be in the description below. Um, I think you're very progressive. I, I like the way you talk. I, I like that you're strong in your beliefs, but you're not, the fucking, for want of a better word, deluded, and that you've recognized <laughs> that there's so many people outside the church who, you know, who, who would, would, would like to hear good messages as well. Um, thank you for coming on the show. Much appreciated. Stay safe. And remember... Republic of Ireland, not UK. You got it. I'll never forget again. Cheers. All the best, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.